And Matthew chapter number 13, we'll begin reading it in just a moment at verse number 24. Again, it's good to see you today. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of God. It's a special blessing to be here today. And I want to preach you a message this morning as you find your place in Matthew chapter number 13 entitled, Will the Real Christian Please Stand Up? Will the Real Christian Please Stand Up? There used to be a game show many years ago, back in the 50s and early 60s, called To Tell the Truth. And they would bring in three contestants, and those contestants, one would be a, 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 the original person. He would be himself. But they would have two people, imposters, who were trying to impersonate that original person. And there was a panel of people who got to ask those three people questions to try to figure out who was the real person. And after asking, after that panel would review for a half an hour, asking all these questions, trying to figure out who the two imposters were and who the real person was, at the end of the show, the, co the show host would say, would the real Mr. Howell please stand up? And then the two imposters would remain seated and the real genuine person would stand up. I think today we need some real Christians who will stand up. As a pastor, as I look at our nation and I look at our world and I see how the world has come into the church and corrupted the doctrine, corrupted the people, corrupted the worship, I'd like to stand up in America and say, will the real Christian please stand up? There's so many imposters. There's so many out there that are ungenuine and unreal. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're grateful for the day. Lord, I pray you take your word now. And I pray that it would find the smallest recesses of our heart and reveal to us the truth from the word of God today. Father, I pray now that everything that's said and done in this message will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Today's world, uh, it is easy to detect some imposters. There are people, even uh, uh, whole denominations of, uh, of churches that are easy to spot, that are not genuinely following the Bible. We have whole denominations today who are ordaining homosexuals, who are putting transgenders in the pulpit, Hey, friend, that's pretty easy. If you have a, a biblical worldview, that's pretty easy to spot. Somebody say amen. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, For this we know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, nor idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. That's pretty cut and dried. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. And it starts giving us a list. Fornicators, that's sexual sins, nor idolaters, nor adult, adulterers, that's sexual sin after marriage, nor the effeminate. Guess who the effeminate are? I don't even need to explain that one. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. People are abusing themselves when they switch genders. 
They're abusing. Listen, uh, no thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. There are some people this morning that are very easy to spot. There are some churches and denominations that are very easy to spot. They are imposters. And when you question them with the word of God, it shows up quickly. The first words here in these scriptures were, be not deceived. I can certainly say that I am not deceived as I look at things through the biblical worldview. But then there are others that are harder to spot. They're harder to question. They're harder to discern whether they are really a Christian or not. They may look like a Christian and act like a Christian and talk like a Christian and walk like a Christian, but down deep in their heart, they've never really repented of sin and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Those are the imposters that are hard to spot. Listen, let's go ahead and read this. I've got to hurry. Matthew 13, let's begin reading in verse number 24. Very familiar passages of Scripture, but I want to bring some things out you probably hadn't thought of today. Another parable, of 20, verse 24, put he forth, this is Jesus speaking, saying unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit and appeared, then appeared the tares also. The servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servants said unto him, Wilt thou have us that we go out and gather them up? But he said, Nay, while you gather up the tares, you'll root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, and gather the wheat into my barn. Now, I don't have to read the explanation. You go on in verse 40 and you read the explanation of that parable. We know the explanation. I'm not preaching to a people who are scripturally unsound. You already know the connotation of this story. This is Jesus using a parable. And a parable is an earthly illustration with a heavenly connotation. So here Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. Verse 24, it's like an honest man, a householder. And the householder is a type of God. Is everybody with me? The householder here is a type of God. The householder is a good man sowing good seed in his field. Let me tell you something about God. God is good. And God, when he sows seed, God sows good seed. I'm going to tell you something. God does not sow bad seed. And when God sows good seed, uh, the good seed springs up and it is a blessing. So here is a good man trying to be... Uh, productive. He's attempting to work and labor in his own field and do something good. I like that kind of man, don't you? And here in this parable, that is God. We learn that the seed is the Word of God. Don't let these TV evangelists tell you that send in your seed. That's money. Seed in the Bible, when we compare Scripture with Scripture with Scripture, seed is never money. Seed is always the Word of God. 
read this whole chapter, you'll find out that comparing Scripture with Scripture, seed is the Word of God. You know what we're sowing this morning? We're sowing the Word of God. We're sowing it in our Sunday school. We're sowing it in our singing. We're sowing it in our preaching. We are sowing this morning the Word of God. It is good seed. And if you'll let the good seed of the Word of God find a lodging place in your heart, it'll spring up into a blade, and in time it will be a blessed harvest to reap. Amen. And then in verse 24, I've got to go quickly here. The Bible says, though this husbandman, this uh, householder, the Bible says, he was trying to be productive, he was working in his field, he was laboring. Uh, the Bible says that while men slept, verse 25, that an enemy came and sowed tares. The enemy here is a type of the devil. Let me tell you something about the devil this morning. He'll rock you to sleep and sow tares in your field. The devil will caress you this morning. We have some empty pews this morning because the devil caressed somebody and said, Look outside. It's raining. Oh, he just smiles and caresses when he says things like this. You don't need to get out. Why, it might even snow. New Center 5 said it was going to snow. And you just need to stay in the bed. And you know what he's doing? He's sowing tares. While the, while the people slept, the enemy came in and sowed tares. Somebody say amen. He sure does. He wants to rock you to sleep at church time and tell you it's not important. He wants to rock you to sleep when it's time to read your Bible and tell you that it's not a priority. He wants to rock you to sleep so while your eyes are closed, he's going to be sowing tares in your life. He says this, why just close your eyes to the sin of this world? It's not really all that bad. Why, after all, as the devil caresses and cradles, after all, sin is not all that bad. After all, it's, it's not that big of a priority in your life. Why just look around? Everybody else is sinning and doing what they want to do, and they're blessed. And God, After all, God is loving and forgiving and kind. Go ahead and sin. You know what he's doing? He's sowing tares. He's rocking us to sleep and sowing tares. Close your eyes. He's sowing the bad seed in your life. Public schools are sowing the bad seed of evolution in the minds of our children. Amen, preacher. Church denominations are sowing bad doctrine into the minds of our youth. Amen. Peer pressure is sowing bad seed. All the while, we've just closed our eyes and said, well, it's all right if they teach that in school. It's destroying their mind and their soul. All the while, we say, well, it's all right if they go out and do this and do that and have a good time here and there. Hey, it's sowing the seed of sin. Peer pressure is sowing the bad seed. Let me tell you something. Anything that is contrary to the Word of God is bad seed. This is the good seed. Amen. <laughs> the good seed, the bad seed produces bad things. The bad seed robs the ground of its nutrients. The bad seed competes with the good seed. The bad seed wraps its roots around the good seed and, in, and inhibits growth. The bad seed. Oh, friend, we ought to be careful with these tares. Amen. Now I've got to ask a question. 
why did this good man, he bought a field, he worked hard, bought a field, he, he, he had a workforce, he was trying to be productive, he was trying to do what was good, he was trying to do what was right, he was sowing the good seed. Well, this was a good guy. Why would a good guy like that have an enemy? Let me tell you something about God. God has an enemy. You have an enemy this morning. Any enemy of God is an enemy of mine. I didn't ask for it. I didn't make him my enemy. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil's my enemy. And I better not close my eyes to that fact. But, but when I come to this story... And I, I see that this narrative, this, this householder had a field and good seed. Why, why would somebody do that? Why would, some, why would somebody sow these tares in this man's field? I'll tell you what, maybe he was a competitor. Maybe he was growing wheat on the next farm over. And he thinks, well, if I can destroy his field, then my field will be more profitable. Are y'all with me? There was a reason that he sowed the bad seed. There was an enemy here. Let me tell you something about the devil. And let me expose the devil here. He's the enemy of God and he wants to destroy everything good in your life. He is known in the scripture as a Abaddon or Apollyon the destroyer. The Bible says that he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now here's where I want to make a point and I want to stick here. I want you to pay close attention to this point. I want you to look at this verse, verse number 25. And the Bible says, but while men slept, we've looked at that. The enemy came and sowed tares, we looked at that. But the Bible says that he went his way. This enemy came along and sowed these tares and then he skipped off. Now let me tell you something about the devil. Maybe some of you didn't even realize he'll skip off. The devil will sow a bad thought in your mind and he'll skip off. The devil will sow something bad in your life and he'll skip off and say, I didn't do that. Not me. Don't you know that other competitor, he sowed the bad seed and went back to his farm and standing over there across the fence smiling going, hey, what's that growing in your field over there? Amen, preacher. That's exactly how and who the devil is. Let me tell you something about this devil skipping off. Young people, listen to me carefully. The devil wants to sow something in your life and skip off. Let me give you an example. I went to school with a man who was younger than me, young, young boy who was younger than me. At a young age, the devil sowed something in his life, and it was an addiction to alcohol. Let me tell you something about the devil getting you addicted to alcohol. Once he gets you addicted to that substance, he can skip off, and the substance will take care of itself. The devil won't even have to be in this world anywhere once you get addicted to drugs or once you get addicted to alcohol. The devil could go to the Andromeda galaxy and your lusts and your desires and your addictions and that alcohol will take care of the rest of it. Yeah, yeah you say, preacher, you're preaching mad. Yeah, because let me tell you the end of the story. 
I saw this young man, I saw the devil sow those seeds in his life at an early age. He began to drink alcohol. The next time I saw him, he was, he was, he was having a seizure. It had been about 10 years since I'd seen him, and, and he was, I, I rounded the corner of the power plant, and, and, and he was having a seizure, and he was beating himself, and blood was flowing all over, and we had to restrain him to keep him from hurting himself. And I didn't know why he was having a seizure, and along came his wife. She was a contractor also and I said I said what's going on here he's having a seizure she said I told him she said he has drunk alcohol every day since he was a teenager and now he's trying to quit because the company's testing us for alcohol and drugs and he tried to go cold turkey and this is what and I told him he was going to have seizures if he tried to quit cold turkey you know what the devil did he sowed tares, and he went his way. And the devil's standing over there going, I didn't do that. Why, me? Why, that, why that's just, that's, by the way, he's not a drunk. He's just an alcoholic. By the way, that's not sin. It's just a disease. The devil's a liar. He's a liar. And he'll go his way. Amen. <laughs> The enemy is the opposite of Christ. I'm glad I have a friend this morning that sticks closer than a brother. I'm glad this morning Jesus doesn't sow bad seed, and I'm glad he doesn't leave when the trouble comes to me. Amen. Amen. You say, preacher, yes, sir. There are times in my life when it's gotten hard, but Jesus never left me. He never went his way. He stuck right with me when the times got hard. When I, have a, when I didn't have a dime in my pocket, he was there. When everything was going wrong in my life, he was there. When I can tell you I didn't have a friend, I didn't have a person who cared for my soul, Jesus was there. He's not one to sow a seed and skip off. Uh, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Uh, he'll go with you always, even unto the end of the earth. I'm about to have a hallelujah fit. Praise God. Glory. But let's move on. The Bible says here, when the blade sprung up. Let me tell you something about sin, young people. When you sow sin, it don't immediately spring up bad. There is a time lapse in sowing seed. You don't go out and put corn in the ground today and eat an ear of corn tomorrow. There's a time lapse. There's a time lapse when you sow bad seed. There's a time lapse when you sow good seed. But you hear me, dear friend. If you and I let tares grow in our field, they'll bring forth bad seed. And it'll take a while, but it'll spring up. The Bible says, be sure that your sin will find you out. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap destruction. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then the verse closes with this and says, Be not weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we faint not you'll reap the good things amen keep sowing the good it'll come up amen verse number 27 I want us to see this too let's read verse number 27 together so the servants of the householder that's God 
came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field from whence hath it tares? If I read this correctly, the common laborers in the field had no clue why the tares came up. They didn't. They didn't know if they came up naturally or, or if birds dropped them in there. They, they just didn't. They weren't smart enough or perceptive enough to realize what happened here. Let me tell you something about all of our lives. The man you're listening to included. I don't understand some things. I'm just a, listen, I'm just a common plowboy in the field. I'm just plowing the old gospel track. I don't understand. I don't understand how I can preach the Word of God and some people call it evil. I don't understand how I can do my best to plow my row and sow good seed and be kind and sow the Word of God and it will be evil spoken of. I don't understand how some people can sit in the church house Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday and it never soak in and they reject the Word of God. I don't understand everything. I'm just a common laborer in the field and these laborers here didn't know exactly what happened. But let me tell you something. God did. God did. <laughs> you see, I don't always see when the tares are sown. I don't always observe when the devil comes by. I could even be preaching. I've seen it happen on the faces of people in my ministry. I've been preaching almost 25 years and I can tell you that I've seen the devil. I've been sowing the good seed, preaching the Word of God and I've seen it on the faces of people when they, they just don't like it, they can't stand it and they'll get up and walk right out the door. I've seen it. You know what? There's nothing I can do but keep sowing good seed. Amen. Just keep sowing good seed. I don't understand it. Verse 28, let's go there quickly. Verse 28 says this, But he said unto them, Now here's the, let's get the connotation of verse 27. So the servants said, We don't know how this happened. But, the, but look at what the householder said in verse 20, 28. He said unto them, Oh, he knew what happened. An enemy have, has done this. Let me tell you something. God knows. God knows. When the common man didn't know, the householder knew. When you and I don't understand, God knows. And here, I want you to get this. The common people who really didn't have full understanding of this, oh my goodness, we didn't think about that. The enemy, the neighbor over there, he came over here and he sowed this to make our field bad. So I tell you what we'll do. We'll run out there and we'll pull up all of these tires. We'll implement our own solution. Boy, it's a simple problem and it has a simple solution. Oh, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And the problem is they're too simple-minded. They're not perceptive enough to know what happened. They're too impatient to wait. Did you know that God knows? The Bible says there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. There is nothing that is spoken in darkness that shall not be revealed in light. Be careful what you say in your bedroom. What's getting quiet? Where'd all the amens go? You see, God knows. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, beholding the evil and the good. But I, you know something? I'm glad God knows. I'm glad He knows when I'm down. 
I'm glad he knows when I need help. I'm glad he knows when I'm hurting inside. I'm glad he knows my sin and he can convict me of my sin and get me out of that mess. Amen, preacher. I'm glad he knows when I'm impatient. Job said this, but he knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Let me ask you a question before we move on. Has the enemy sowed something in your life and you don't understand? You don't understand why your children are straying. You don't understand why the situation on the job has gotten out of hand. You don't understand why somebody said something about you. You don't understand why there was a lie told. You don't understand so many things in life, but God understands. And here's where you and I make mistakes. Are you ready? We think it's a simple problem and it needs a simple solution. And when somebody does something to us, we say, I'll just go correct that right now. Isn't that what the laborers did? The tares are up, let's just go pull them up. No, you know what? Sometimes it's just best let them grow. That ain't easy, is it? When somebody's lied about you or said something about you or caused problems in your life, you just want to go out and pull it up and fix it right then. Don't tell me you don't. It's human nature. But the wise thing to do was go back to the householder and say, here's the problem. What do you think we ought to do? The wise thing to do in our life is to take those problems and those tears to the Heavenly Father who was already perceptive of where they came from and He knows how to handle them now that they're here. And so the, the, the God knew what was going on. God knew exactly what to do. And God said, don't implement your own solution. We'll implement my solution. And here's what I want to drill home in your heart. In my heart, I need this. Believe me, your pastor needs this. The wrong reaction is often worse than the original wrong action. The wrong reaction to a wrong action is never right. And so often my actions are right, but my reactions are wrong. And sometimes, listen to me carefully, as in the case here, the wrong reaction is going to do more damage than the wrong action. Let me explain myself. Y'all are looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. To sow those tares was the wrong action. Is everybody with me? To pull them up right then was the wrong reaction. Now which would have done more damage? The sowing or the pulling? Amen. We're together on this. And guess what? You're going to be tested this week with tears in your life. You better take it to God before you start pulling. And here's the answer. I've got to close. The householder said this. Don't be so anxious to go out and pull those up. When you pull them up, you're going to uproot the wheat with them. 
just hold on a minute, wait a minute, let's be patient, let them both grow up together. Be patient, the truth will come out, the harvest will come in, there's a duration of time here, there's a duration of grace for even the tares, are y'all with me? Even the tares get a duration of grace, they're the wrong thing. By the way, let me just hit you with this, I, I, I didn't know if I'd have time, but I'm going to take time for this. A tare is a little plant that looks just like wheat and it produces a, uh, a, a grain just like wheat and it is called bearded darnel, D-A-R-N-E-L. Tares, bearded darnel, uh, will grow up with wheat so it, that, that's the way it reproduces. It, it mimics the wheat harvest and so it gets harvested with the wheat, stored in the barn, and then replanted. Birds don't have to scatter it. Darnell is one of the only plants in the world that depends on men to keep it going. Are y'all with me? Bearded Darnell is a toxin. It will kill you in big portions. But you know what it does in small portions? Makes you drunk makes you drunk it is actually the Greek or the Latin word I can't remember for Darnell is drunk because men consume it in small quantities and they get dizzy as a matter of fact Darnell is harvested in places so they mix it with alcohol so they get a bigger high but you got to be careful in the amount or it'll kill you now let me tell you about sin sin is tares in small amounts, it can be a lot of fun. But in time, it'll kill you. In small amounts, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But in large amounts, it'll kill you. And so this bearded Darnell had to be dealt with. It is a toxin. And the householder said this. Verse number 30, let's read it. But let both grow together. Be patient. Don't be judgmental. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Look over at verse 40. Jesus explains it here. I didn't go into this, but I will for just a second. Verse 40. As therefore the tares are gathered in the bar and burned in the fire, so shall it be when? In the end of the world. Y'all with me in verse 40? The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom and all things that offend and which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's, that's all we'll read for now right there. Let me tell you something. It's not, my, it's not my job to judge. Are you with me? If I were, and I've seen pastors make a mistake here. If I were a pastor and I went through this church and I started pulling up a tear over here and a tear over there. You know what I'm going to lose? I'm going to lose whole families. Are you with me? It's not my job to pull up tares. I am a common plowboy in the field. 
And the reason that many church pews are empty is because we as a church and we as pastors are too judgmental. We think we're God. We think we can be judge, jury, and executioner, and we start pulling up tares, and the next thing you know, the church is empty. We've got to be careful. As a matter of fact, let me just give you a prime example. Yesterday, I played ball in Bristol. My partner, I'd never met him before, was the boss down at the casino. If he knew who I was, he probably wouldn't have played with me. But you know what? It wasn't my job to pull up his tares. He's not even saved. It wasn't my job to beat him over the head with the Bible. Amen. I didn't cuss. I was a good sport. I was honest in the calls. I acted respectable. Now, if I ever get an opportunity, he'll hear my message on gambling. But you know what? Here's what I thought on the way home. It's my job to sow good seed to manage the church. It's his job to manage the casino to the best of his ability. But God will figure it all out one of these days. And I sure wouldn't want to trade places with that old boy. And I'm going to tell you something. If I can ever get a chance to give him the gospel, he'll get it. He'll get it. He'll get it in a kind way, in a nice way. Not in a way that rubs him the wrong way. Amen. What are you saying, preacher? Let them both grow up together. God will figure it out in the end. God will figure it out. It's, not, it's my job to plow. I was talking to Joe Arthur the other day. And I said, Joe, you know, I've come to this place in my ministry. I said, I don't, I don't look at other churches. I don't look what other churches do. I don't look at their programs. I don't listen to their preaching. I, don't. I said, God's given me a row to plow. And I'm just plowing that row. And I'm not worried about anything else. He said, preacher, we all ought to be like that. <laughs> hey, sometimes, let's recap. The devil's going to sow tares. Sometimes we won't understand why. Sometimes we become unpatient. We want to implement our own solution. It's best to go back to the Lord, let Him implement the solution, but He'll take care of it. That's where faith comes in. If you don't have the faith, listen to me carefully, I'm closing. If you don't have the faith to believe that He'll take care of it, you might as well just go home now. You've got to have faith and trust to believe that God will do what He said He'll do. And he'll take care of it. And I won't have to do one thing until harvest time. Amen. That toxic person that caused you trouble, they're going to be bundled up and in a flame of fire. That toxic sin that caused you problems all in your life and you resisted it, you prayed about it, you tried to resist the temptation, that toxic sin that just kept coming back and back, it's going to be bundled and put in the lake of fire. Wow. God's going to take care of the toxins, the dizziness, the drunkenness, the drama of all this world and I'm going to trust Him for it. Amen. All I can do is say, boy, let me tell you something. I'm a real Christian and I'm going to stand up. Will the real Christian stand up?
Will the real wheat grow up through the tares? Amen. Will the real grain come up so we're not consuming Darnell? Will the real Christian please stand up? I'm through preaching. Let's bow our heads. Father, I've done this morning what you commanded me to do in a very specific way. And now, Lord, I pray that you take these words from the Word of God and these thoughts that came directly from your book and inject them into our hearts. Bless now our invitation time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The end of the tares is to be bundled and burned. I wonder, friend, if there be one here this morning. And by your own admission and by your own confession, you'd say, Preacher, uh, I've, I've heard the message, I've examined my own life, and I don't think I'm genuine. I don't think I've genuinely been saved. I've never been to Calvary. I've never trusted Christ. I've never really, really repented of my sins and done business with God. If that's you this morning, would you slip out of your seat and come forward? We'll meet you here with a Bible. We'll spend all day with you if we need to. Anybody at all? I want to be genuine, preacher. I don't want to produce bad seed in my life. I don't want to be a toxic person. I don't want to be that poison that's spread around. Preacher, I want to be wheat. I, I'm right there with you. I want to be wheat too. I want to be gathered into the barn one of these days while the chaff is burned and the tares are burned. I want to be gathered. Boy, it's nice in the barn. It's wonderful in the barn. I enjoy my barn, praise God. And I'm going to enjoy heaven one day. Why? Because Jesus saved me. If you're saved, you don't have to fear the fire. You don't have to sweat the judgment. You just got to be wheat. Just do what God called you to do. Do what God told you to do. do. Just be obedient to the Word of God. You don't have to fear. I'm glad I'm a blood-bought child of God. We'll end with verse 43. The Bible says, Then, when, then, then when? <laughs> in the end of the world shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And Jesus closed that passage out and said, Whosoever hath ears to hear, let him hear. I've preached the message. I pray you'd take it to heart.